1: Welcome to another edition of Back Page Breakdown. I'm your host, Antoine Staley. You can always find me at Antoine Staley on Twitter and all social media platforms, too, as well. Uh, also find my work at the New York Daily News covering the Jets, too, as well. So with me, uh, I have a special guest, too, Cody Ward of uh, My House Sports. My, uh, Cody, how you doing?
0: I'm good, Antoine. How you doing, my man? It's a very, very interesting week here this week between uh, the two teams that we cover.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And a critical game where I think both teams really need to have, too, as well. So, yeah, definitely. Before we get into that, yeah, I have uh, just, you know, I want to say this uh, football is back. And BetOnline is your number one information source for all sports wagering information with up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and the Super Bowl, BetOnline gives you the best access to promotions contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today and use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember, use our promo code BELIEVE to receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline with a game start. So, Cody, yeah, definitely, uh, like I said, it's a big game for both teams. You know, how has it been out there just uh, with the Broncos and Sean Payton and this uh, whole new regime?
0: I mean, it's a new regime, and obviously you're going to go through your your ups and downs when you have a new coach. I mean, for example, for George Payton, Broncos GM, this is his third year here. There's been three different head coaches in his three years as GM. And so, you know, with that, every coach requires different players, different requests, and obviously the GM's job is to accommodate that. And I think a lot of them – You know, a lot of the moves that Denver has made this offseason have definitely put them in a position where, all right, what do you have with them, right? They needed to address the offensive line. They went out and they did that with Ben Powers, Mike McGlinchey. McGlinchey's had some ups and downs here, but for the most part, the Broncos' offense has been pretty solid for them this season. They really haven't had a chance this year to really establish the run game. Week one against the Raiders, they only had six offensive possessions. The Raiders had six offensive possessions. It was one of the weirdest games I've ever seen in the NFL from a time of possession standpoint. Week two, Denver got up to a 21-3 lead, where ideally they should have kept running the football there against the commanders. They didn't do that, Uh, and obviously the commanders stormed back, and it just kind of sets the tone for the rest of the season so far. Leading us up into week five, the Broncos defense is playing some of the worst football I've ever seen from an execution standpoint, from a cover standpoint. There's not a lot of disguising as to what's going on with what they're doing on the back end. They're playing a lot of cover three. They're playing some cover six in situations, but teams are having field days against them. And look, the last three weeks that we've seen the Broncos just really give up an astronomical amount of points. The last two weeks, when you factor in the Dolphins game and the Bears game, they were two points shy of allowing 100 points in two weeks. But they have allowed over 1,000 yards of offense to two teams in the last two weeks. That is unheard of in the NFL. So I don't know what it is. I don't know what the solve is here. Denver's got a lot of the same personnel back from last year. It's the way it's being called, and it's players not executing. So that, I think, has probably been the most puzzling thing. If Denver's defense was playing how it was last year, Antoine, Denver might be 4-0 and right now. Or actually, you know what? Here's the, I want to rephrase that. I don't think I don't I don't think they were going to beat Miami regardless, even if they were playing well. Miami is playing at a different level right now. Obviously, we saw them lose to the Buffalo Bills the way that they did. But uh, Denver should be three and one right now. I mean, as we're talking about this matchup here, week five, which would have set for a very interesting storyline.
1: Yeah, I definitely. uh, It seems like yeah, it's puzzling to me because I felt like coming in like the Jets and the Broncos to play three times in a row. It would be on Sunday, which is weird to say that. But it seemed like last year it was just a whole reverse. Like the offense was struggling. Russell didn't play in that game uh, against the Jets last year, and then their defense was really their identity. So, just looking at this team uh, for right now, what do you think their identity is? Uh, like, will either sides of the ball?
0: I mean, it has to be on the offense. I mean, the, their identity is Russell Wilson right now. Russell's playing really good football under Sean Payton. He had three touchdowns last week against the Chicago Bears he really hasn't been the issue for them. He's given them chance. He's given them life in each of the games that they've played so far this season. But, you know, it's hard. Like, for example, that Dolphins game, I think fans expected Russell Wilson and the Broncos offense to put up 71 points against a team that put up 70. Like, it's, uh, some of the expectations and some of the critiques that I think Broncos fans have, About Russell Wilson, it's like what, you know, you got to pay attention to what's going on in the games. Russ has been, uh, you know, bright spot for them. Rookie Marvin Mims has been an electrifying player for them uh, in terms of dynamics, but they have to be more than just a, a passing offense. They have to find a way to run the football. But, you know, one thing they've done, Antoine, here's an interesting stat. Through three weeks of play, four weeks of play, they're undefeated in coin tosses. They defer to the second half, and it hasn't led to anything. So, oh, for wow. me, I'm telling them, if you win the coin toss, take the damn ball to open up the game. In three of their four games, they've had an opening drive touchdown. Go up, try to go up seven nothing versus being down 0-7, and then you know maybe f- spiraling out a little bit if you're playing a good defense, which. I think the numbers this week, when you look at some of the areas of the Jets' defense, they're bottom-ranked in some categories. I think that's very deceiving, though, because that's a damn good unit, a great front seven that they have, elite players at almost every level of the field, so this is an interesting matchup this week.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. And I think, I mean, I have a stat for you, too. The Jets have not ran a play in, uh, with the lead and regulation all year long. Like, if you look at the Bills game, you know, they came back, they fought back in overtime and ended up winning that game on a punt return. And then, of course, they lost three straight to the to the Cowboys and Patriots and, you know, last week to the Chiefs. But, yeah, I feel like their defense is – you know, you look at it statistically as kinda of you said it doesn't necessarily match up with I think the personnel and everything like that and the way they have actually played, especially the second half against the Chiefs last week where they really limited them after that seventeen nothing lead or the deficit I should say.
0: Yeah, and, and that's the thing with them too. You saw a resilient effort on Sunday night football. I don't know if there was just a different I mean, obviously the there was a special guest in attendance, but the vibe was different. I mean, they went down 17 nothing, and then all of a sudden it's like, all right, hey, let's lock in. I don't know what happened. I you know, maybe there was some reverse stuff going on, but obviously Mahomes through the first interception. And then that's what gave the Jets life like their defense was able to capitalize, give the offense some some room to work with. They went down there and they made a play and they made things very, very interesting there. And I was talking about all week long, like that type of performance that the Jets had against the Chiefs. That's a game that even though you lost, it gives you confidence. That's something you can build off of. And that's all a team needs, like a team like the Jets. And their offensive rankings are obviously bottom 10 in a lot of categories. But we saw Zach Wilson confident, getting the ball out of his hands quickly. You know, the run game hasn't been consistently there for the Jets. But guess what? The Broncos are allowing a lot of yards on the ground. The 32nd-ranked rush defense, they allowed 171 on the ground last week to a struggling Chicago Bears offense. They allowed 350 rushing yards to the Miami Dolphins two weeks ago. So when you look at the backs that they got with Brees Hall, who I'm told, and and you can confirm this for me, no longer on a pitch count, I'm assuming here at this point. So you got him. Michael Carter is very capable. And you have Dalvin Cook, who obviously is a big name addition, hasn't had success. But then Zach Wilson, the third leading rusher here for the New York Jets, makes things very interesting because I remember the game last year. He ran all over the Broncos defense and escaped and picked up first downs, you know, on third and long situations because of his elusiveness. So, For me, this is, uh, you know, on paper looking at Denver's defense, I think this is going to be a very, very tough matchup for the Broncos.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. And I think uh, I think you could see Brees Hall get unleashed, too, especially in a game where, you know, last year he ended up tearing his ACL against the Broncos and was lost for the season. Also, Elijah Vera Tucker also was lost for the season against the Broncos. So, And the Jets were really never the same after that. They only won two more games in their last 10 the rest of the way. So, yeah, it's definitely uh, – I'm sure those guys would like to kind of rewrite their wrong and also, you know, get, get the Jets back on the right track, too. Um, obviously, the Broncos – you know, they're Randy Gregory's no part, of, not, no longer part of the team right now. I, I, I know it hasn't been official yet, but just yes, uh, what led into that? And then uh, do you think it's a good move for the Broncos defense?
0: Well, I mean, it's tough anytime you're, you're, you're set to release or trade, they're in the process of trying to trade him, but I don't think a team's going to bite, especially with his, you know, that he signed a five year, $70 million contract uh, a couple years ago in free agency to come to Denver. Um, you know, with Randy, like last year, the issue for him was he looked great through the first four games. Then he got injured. He suffered a torn meniscus, held him out of action for a majority of the season come back into this year he's healthy but just was struggling in terms of getting to the quarterback he did get to Sam Howell once in week two here but teams were running to his side Broncos didn't you know have very good contain off the edge so Sean Payton last week decided to shake things up a little bit he started Nick Benito in place of Randy Gregory Randy came off the bench played 33 total snaps in that game against Chicago and so Jonathan Cooper Nick Benito those guys you uh, Sean Payton believes those guys give them a chance. And obviously we saw three and a half sacks combined for them, a forced fumble and a fumble recovery touchdown that ultimately tied Denver up in that game, 28, 28 against the bears and helped serve as a catalyst for them to win that game. So, I mean, I think it was just, you want to see what you have with the young guys there. Obviously they're playing a little bit better than Randy was. And now you give Randy Gregory a chance to go elsewhere. And I think it was a mutual decision for both parties. Randy didn't feel like he was going to be a good fit here and they, they explored that. So they're looking to trade him obviously, not official yet, but they may just end up releasing him outright. And so they got Frank Clark who could be back this week here as well. Obviously a veteran guy, super bowl champion coming over from the chiefs. And then there's Baron Browning who was activated off the PUP list. Now he got hurt against the New York jets in last year's game as well with a a, a knee injury. So, We'll see where things are at here, but Denver's got a lot of young guys at pass rusher at the edge position specifically that they want to see do a little bit more and they have belief in versus, you know, guys like, that weren't producing like Randy Gregory.
1: Yeah, I definitely think, uh, like I say, just didn't seem like it worked out, especially with Sean Payton there. It's a, it, obviously different regime there from Nathaniel Hackett too as well. But before I get into Hackett and, you know, everything that kind of comes <laughs> with that too, I, I want to save that for towards the end. But, yeah, what was the difference with the Broncos defense last week against the bears in the second half compared to what you've seen early on this year
0: well they they found a way to get stops now it it came a little bit late in that third quarter because at one point on the bears first possession of the third quarter there justin fields was 23 of 24 passing for 275 yards and three touchdowns i mean it was it was unbelievable what type of production he was having against denver there but there was a catalyst there Denver's defense was able to get one stop, right? One stop on third down and led to like a fourth and two. They punted it away. Marvin Mims had a pretty solid return. Russell Wilson went down there, let a scoring drive to Brandon Johnson. Defense gets another stop, forces a punt. Russell Wilson leads the drive. uh, catches Cortland Sutton for a touchdown and that cuts deficit to all of a sudden you're, you know, you're down 21. Now you're only down by one possession. Then there's the scoop and score that we had talked about there, but they were just able to get stops. And Antoine, to be honest with you, the last couple of weeks or last three weeks, they haven't really been able to get any stops defensively. The defense has been on the field. They've allowed explosive plays and they haven't been able to get stops. Well, that was the difference for them a little bit late in that third quarter. They started to get some stops and the offense has been good for them this season so far they were to go down there and capitalize against uh, the Bears secondary. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a little bit of a different challenge this week here. But if Denver can find a way to get stops and not allow teams to go and just score points at will, I mean, they might have a chance to put up some points. This could be a shootout potentially. But, I mean, it, it's hard to imagine that right now when you look at the overall projections on paper and how both teams have played. You know, Denver's offense, if the defense has given up, 35 points. They're not, you know, they're going to have to score 36. And that's a tough ask for any team to find sustainability here in the NFL.
1: Yeah, it really is. It definitely is. So, yeah, what what are your key if the Broncos have any chance of winning this game? What, what do you think they have to do uh, on both sides of the ball?
0: Well, you know, I think defensively, they've got to get takeaways. They haven't had a lot of takeaways this season. They have to find a way to to get after Zach Wilson and sack him. you got to be able to make sure you contain him because he's a guy that can spin out and he can use his legs. We saw it in the preseason for the Jets. We've seen it several instances so far this season. That's going to have to be a major key for them, obviously getting off the field on third down, not allowing teams to continue to to convert there. I mean, unfortunately, Denver's defense, they've been penalized at a high rate. Denver's got 33 penalties this season. 17 of them are coming on the defensive side of the ball, 13 on offense, three on special teams. So they've got to find a way to buckle down and be a little bit more consistent. there. penalties have kept drives alive. Explosive plays have kept drives alive. So if you can find a way to limit the explosives that you've been allowing and the jets are a team that are very capable with obviously guys like Garrett Wilson and obviously even Alan Lazard being able to find a way, a veteran prowess there to, you know, if he's covered initially, he can find a way to pivot in a scramble drill and find, you know, a way like he did against the Kansas city chiefs. So, that's the defensive key. I think offensively, Denver's gonna have to find a way to commit to the run game to try to get that going, and then open things up in the passing game. The passing game hasn't been an issue for them. They're a top ten passing offense in the NFL, but they don't have any balance right now. So you have to find balance somehow. And look, you know what better way than a you know a sunny day in Denver where you're gonna be wearing your new alternates, uh, the snow capped white helmets, and a brand new design on the field is gonna look pretty cool there. But the Jets are there, and they're uh, you know it's bad blood week this week here for them.
1: Yeah, and now I'm, he's the perfect segue because I definitely want to get in. The, I know both coaches and everybody. We hadn't spoken than Daniel it We will uh later today, but uh Robert Salas kind of downplaying the comments that were made in July. Obviously, I saw Sean Payton kind of doing the same thing too as well. Just kind of what was your thoughts when that whole thing came out with USA Today and everything he had to say?
0: Well, you know with. With Sean, Sean was a guy when he first when when we had the introductory press conference with him when he was hired. You know, he talked a lot about the team and players being anonymous donors, right? Not not putting stuff out there on social media, not putting anything out there for people to grab onto and hold. And you know, he uh, sat down with somebody he's very comfortable with, and Jarrett Bell of USA Today, and and shared you know his thoughts on you know what had happened last season. And I'll be upfront here, like I as, as a human being, I think Nathaniel Hackett is one of the nicest dudes, a great human being, will do anything for anybody. But when he was the head coach of the Broncos, he was in over his head. And I think it was evident there to see that. Now, I I think the thing here with Hackett, and this is the one thing I wanted to highlight here the Broncos players really loved at first how much Nathaniel Hackett embraces them. Like what, you know, makes it seem like he cares about them, which he does. He cares about his players. That's so important. But when you go through a losing streak, the rah, rah, buddy, buddy, you know, hug system is not. In, in a business where you got to win, that's not going to go well in the locker room. And ultimately there just was no string of accountability there from Hackett during his time here. And that unfortunately led to a lot of, you know, negative dynamics. I mean, Denver was in games. They just couldn't put up points offensively yeah. and he was in charge of that. I mean, there was even one point last year where I think it was after the Tennessee Titans game where he told us because he handed off play calling duties to uh, K- Kubiak, he said something along the lines of, I just, you know, I I just didn't feel right out there calling plays, which just, you know, was a weird thing to admit. And, you know, unfortunately, that kind of spiraled into a bunch of stuff, but he kind of lost control of the locker room a little bit. We saw the Christmas Day blow, and then obviously, Denver decided to move on there. I mean, it was a really bad coaching job by him. I just think he was in over his head. I think ultimately, he can get some good stuff out of his coaches, I mean, out of his players. But you know this as well as I do. If you're not winning, if you're not doing things like, for example, he's brought in to put up points. If that's not happening with the Jets, you know, there's some pressure on him because I, hey, the New York media market's a lot tougher than the Denver market. And so I've, I've already seen little bits and pieces here, but every week in the press conferences, we'd get the same response from Hackett. And so we, we ended up creating like a little bit of a bingo card. Like what is Nathaniel Hackett going to say today? And we're going to hit the bingo card. We always hit it, but um, yeah, you know, Sean Payton, here's the thing. You know, as a coach, as a former coach myself, there's always a code, right? You never publicly say stuff about guys. And unfortunately, I think it's kind of, you know, with how the Broncos have started off, it's uh, it's kind of been a little bit of karma coming back to bite them in the rear end on this one. So I'll be very curious to see what happens. I'll be curious to see if these two talk pregame, which I imagine maybe, maybe not, Um But as long as you can get, you know, water under the bridge and go out and play football, I think that's the only thing that matters. And, unfortunately, you know, Sean's comments, if the Broncos lose, they paint him in a negative light even further here because you talked all this stuff and then you lost to the team there. So, for me, it's just, yeah, you don't make those comments, you know, publicly. You know, we all know that, hey, there's a lot of conversations that happen behind closed doors of of coaches about other coaches. That stuff just never gets out. So, you know, he kind of crossed the line in that regard there. But, uh, you know, I think Hackett, his response that he had to it afterward was, you know, he was open and he had a chance to retaliate and maybe refire, but he didn't, but you know, it's just the way that he was raised by his dad and you have a lot of respect for that.
1: Yeah, I think so too, and I don't think anybody's disputing anything that Sean had to say. I mean, like you yeah. were there, you understand the jo- the job that what what happened last year. I just think the it was the kind of the manner and what it was said, especially considering that at the time the Jets were like the media darlings and everything like that, and Aaron Rodgers and all this honeymoon period, and all of a sudden we had somebody that just didn't like the attention. That they were being given and then all of a yeah. sudden they wanted to make it <laughs> a little bit about them that's that's the way i felt about the whole thing i don't know how you did but yeah for me like i just thought it was just a little bit over the line but i i mean it was a bad coaching job i mean even just for somebody from the outside, looking from the outside i mean i'm sure hackett would probably even tell you that too i'm actually surprised uh he yeah. actually came back to coaching because i was like i actually asked him when he got here he was like uh I was like, so why didn't? You, why aren't you on a beach somewhere as opposed to you know deciding to come back to coaching because you would have got paid either way? But yeah. he said, obviously, Aaron and um, you know the opportunity to coach a team that had a that had an opportunity to at least like, to contend for a Super Bowl too, as well.
0: Yeah, and, and look for for Hackett as well. I mean, it's so hard to stay away from the game, right? And I think for Sean, like Sean had that identity crisis, you know, when he stepped away from New Orleans. You know, he got into media, but it's like it's not the same. It doesn't give you the same yeah. itch as like, you know, preparing for a game. And that's something that drove Sean crazy. But I also think that, you know, his year in media, it allowed him to be very outspoken and very open about a lot of things. And, you know, I think for him as well, it's how do you do that? How do you kind of get into a point where you transition back into being a coach and knowing like, hey, here's what I know I can't say what I can't say? Uh, But, you know, that's that's just the thing, too. And and honestly, when that stuff came out, I felt like I was like, was this an off the record conversation that got put on the record somehow? Like, that's how it came across. It was surprising. But ultimately, it it was a distraction. And and this is something that Sean's going to have to deal with. And look, if the Broncos win, then I think, okay, people are going to say, all right, you know what? The Broncos won, whatever. But if he loses, it's going to be everything that he does going forward is going to be magnified a little bit. And that puts more pressure on himself, which he can't blame anybody but himself for that.
1: Yeah, and that's how I feel. That's why I feel like it's a big game for both of these teams, obviously, because they're both one and three. And the way I see it, one or four is pretty much close to a death sentence as possible in the NFL. It's hard to come back from that, especially where in the Jets case where they said they had, you know, playoff aspirations still, even after Aaron had went down. So yeah, it's definitely gonna be a big game there. Cody, I appreciate you coming with coming on with me, man. I uh, I appreciate it. I, I definitely uh I, I think you'll be there on Sunday, won't you?
0: Yep. Absolutely, yeah. man. So let's yeah. uh, let's catch up.
1: Yeah, I'll definitely uh, reach out to you when I get to the uh, stadium, too, as well. It was great being with you. And great being with y'all, too, is on another episode of Bat Page Breakdown, too. I'm Antoine Staley. Again, find me on all social media platforms, too, as well. And we'll have another episode next week, too, as well.
0: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play
1: devil's advocate here.
0: Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing.
1: Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.